This episode is brought to you by Sensei. The original solution for creating and selling online courses with WordPress, Sensei is back and better than ever. As a course creator, Sensei gives you complete ownership of your content and the freedom to customize as much as you need. Sensei has vastly improved the course creation experience, adding a customizable distraction-free mode, video and lesson progression, powerful reporting, and a full set of interactive content blocks. Those blocks, like the questions block, can be added to any page or post, not just the lessons. Sensei's goal is to make it effortless for course creators to develop personalized instruction for learners. While Sensei is totally free to start, you can save 20% on Sensei Pro, which allows you to charge for courses, drip out content, create quizzes, and much more. Just go to howibuilt.it slash sensei to have the discount automatically applied. That's howibuilt.it slash sensei to get 20% off Sensei Pro. Real quick before we get started, I want to tell you about my free weekly newsletter called Build Something Weekly. Each week, Monday mornings generally, you will get an email with a little bit of insight around WordPress and or podcasting. You'll get the latest of these episodes with the top takeaways, show notes, and more. And you'll get the latest content from the previous week. You'll also get a a, a recommendation. It is action-packed for your Monday mornings. It is free and it is weekly and you can sign up over at buildsomething.email. Check it out. It's a free weekly newsletter over at buildsomething.email. Subscription services are increasingly popular and for good reason. On top of creating more predictable income for your business, they allow you to really focus and serve your subscribers instead of constantly trying to grind out new sales. Plus, it makes your business much more sellable. We'll talk about all of that and more in this week's episode with John Warwillow. He is a best-selling author of the books Built to Sell, The Automatic Customer, and The Art of Selling Your Business. Plus, in Build Something More, we'll even talk about what it's like to write a best-selling book. John and I exchanged notes on how we wrote our books and how much better his books sell than mine because, well, way more people want to know how to sell their business than to write HTML pages. But John is an absolute fantastic guest. I loved this episode and I already had Built to Sell on my bookshelf, but I went out and bought the automatic customer right after we recorded this episode. So if you want to uh, learn more about John and all of the and get all the show notes and things like that, everything we talk about will be over at howibuilt.it slash two four zero. And of course, thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Text Expander and Nexus. You'll hear about them later on. But first, let's get into it with John Warwillow. Hey, everybody, and welcome to an, another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that offers actionable tech tips for small business owners. It's episode 240. Today's sponsors are Text Expander and Nexus. You'll hear about them later in the show. But I am so excited to have uh, my guest with me today and the topic we're talking about. His name is John Warlow. He is the uh, founder and CEO of the Value Builder System. He's also the best-selling author, uh, author, the best-selling author <laughs> of uh, Built to Sell, 
the automatic customer, and the art of selling your business. Today, we're going to be talking about why subscribers are better than customers. This is music to my ears, and I'm excited to learn a ton. But let's bring in our guest, John. How are you today? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm doing very well. I stumbled over a couple of words there. It's Monday morning. You know, I, I didn't do my proper uh, warm-up exercises before this, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited to have you on the show. I have at least one of your books on my shelf, and I'm probably going to have to get The Automatic Customer because that is something I've been reading a lot about lately. Um, so so the, uh, with, with this topic, right, every business owner knows it's easier to sell uh, to a customer, but... Uh, building your list is something that I've talked about a lot too. As a podcaster, it's hard to capture your audience if you're just looking at download numbers, right? And so getting people onto your mailing list or subscribed to a place where you can interact directly with them is a way for, for you to better engage. But before we get into all that, you have quite the resume. Uh, so why don't we uh, talk a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure thing. So we help business owners improve the value of their company uh, leading up to an exit usually, but not always. So Built to Sell was about how do you build a company of value. Automatic customer was about recurring revenue. So how do you accelerate that value through recurring revenue? And then the art of selling your business is how do you harvest all that value you've created by effectively selling your company? And so yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. That's fantastic. And you know, it, this is, I feel like this is a, maybe a prescient, prescient, prescient uh, interview for another reason. I am, uh, I, and I know a lot of my listeners are heavily embedded in the WordPress space. And I don't know if you follow WordPress closely, but there have been a ton of acquisitions in the WordPress space lately. As we record this, uh, two have happened in the last few days. WooCommerce acquired uh, I should have this in front of me, uh, but they acquired a, a small shop related to WooCommerce services and uh, Liquid Web, a big hosting name in the space, acquired LearnDash, which is my LMS of choice. So it's been uh, happening, I think, at, a, at an accelerated rate lately. So I know that increasing the value of your business, increasing the value of your company, um, possibly to sell is something that's on a lot of the listeners' minds. Yeah, it's a really liquid market right now. There are a ton of transactions going on. I mean, think interest rates are still very low. So that always accelerates people's appetite to, to buy businesses. People are coming out of the pandemic, hopefully, knock wood. And, and I think that also has caused a lot of business owners to reflect and think maybe maybe now is the time for me to you know sell and, and, and do something else. And so it's caused this kind of very interesting market where a lot of businesses are uh, right now transacting. So it's a very, it's a very exciting time for a lot of entrepreneurs and founders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that makes perfect sense, right? Because I, I again, I talk a lot to solo freelancers, solo entrepreneurs. And um, one of the things that I absolutely had to do going through the pandemic, because I had, I had uh, one small child at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, at the halfway point, uh, we welcomed our second, and now hey, I have congratulations. A, uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, and now we have a third coming in December. Wow. So uh, pandemics very, are good for you guys. I know, I know, just growing the family. Um, but you know, again, in in July of 2020, you know, I now had two small kids at home. My wife is an ICU nurse, uh, so wow. she that wasn't staying home. Yeah, it was it was wild, and. Um, and so I had to change, if I wanted my business to survive, I, need to, I needed to extract myself from a lot of the day-to-day. Uh, but I know a lot of people were, um, were handling it differently and 
if if you can if you can make an exit, um, you know, I think that that's a really uh, a really good way for a lot of people to keep keep working on their passion uh, without the immense stress of keeping a business afloat and maybe supporting a family. Yeah. So, what did you do to make your business less dependent on you? What was your process for doing that? There, I was. Uh, that's a great question. Um, there were a lot of things that I was doing that I didn't, uh, I did not need to do. For for example, editing this podcast was something I knew I I needed to hire out pretty early on because it was taking me forever, and my editor does it at at what seems like uh, an impossibly low figure to me, um, but he's very good. And um, hey, Joel, and um, and then so I started to do the just same. Went up fifty percent. Yeah, I know, I know. He's like, oh, I don't charge enough, huh? Um, but uh, so some of the other things I did was I hired a video editor to edit my courses because that was the thing that took me the longest. I hired a VA to publish this podcast and and gather the show notes. All of these time consuming things that. Um, that don't require my face or my voice or, you know, my hands on the keyboard. So on the days I could work, which was about half the week, I could focus on creating and then hand it off to my team to do the prim and polish and publish. That's awesome. I mean, that's just like right out of Built to Sell. It's It's the classic, how do you get yourself out of the epicenter of your business and, and, and make it run without you. And that gives you, I mean, it gives you a peace of mind to know that your company will work if you have to be away for, you got to take care of the kids, whatever the, you know, the, the reason is, doesn't matter. It's, it, you know, that it'll continue to chug along and it allows you to grow beyond you because you're not limited by the hours of the day. And then of course, at, when it comes time to sell, if that ever does come around, you've got a business that's not dependent on you, which is the sort of, you know, the prerequisite for an acquisition is, does it depend entirely on you? And if it does, it's not really a transferable asset. So I think, I mean, awesome job. And I'm sure you probably used like standard operating procedures or some instructions you gave to your VA and your producer so they could sort of follow a checklist. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's sort of step one in this process is create standard operating procedures. I, I remember I interviewed a woman named Jody Cook on, on my uh, podcast, Built to Sell Radio, and I talked to her about how did she get her business ready to sell. And she, she was in the marketing services space, right? So uh, both those businesses are tough to sell because they're generally very dependent on the owner. And in her case, she was doing social media and it was very dependent on her in the beginning. But she wanted to have a business that was... She wanted that feeling of having a business, not just a job. And so mm-hmm. she went about writing up all these standard operating procedures so that her business could basically run without her. And I said to her, she's a pretty entrepreneurial woman. And I said, but Jody, like that must have been, that must have been like torture for you to sit down and write all these process manuals. And, you know, it just seems like the total opposite of what you would want to do with your time. And she's like, yeah, it was, it was terrible. But I thought to myself, like, would I rather spend three months in prison or three years in prison. And I'm like, okay, what do you what do you mean? And she's like, three months sucked. But if I was to sell my agency without the standard operating procedures, it would have taken me three years in an earnout. And an earnout is, you know, is this the, the structure that you're being paid for your business after right. the fact and it's fraught with risk and so forth. And so she took her medicine up front and she sold her company. Two weeks later, she left. And, um, you know, rode off into wow. the sunset. And that's the power, I think, of, of standard operating procedures. 
Yeah, for sure. And and for me, you know, because again, it's it, a lot of freelancers don't think about that. They do the thing that they need to do when they're doing it. Uh, having a an, an SOP has helped me grow this podcast, make money from this podcast. And so when it came time for me to do that, especially with my VA, right? With my editor, um, with both my video and audio editors and my transcriber, it was pretty clear. Like at the bumpers here, here are the sponsor spots or whatever. I have a stream deck for my courses, so they don't even need, like my video editor doesn't even need to add slides. They just need to clean up the audio and, and you know, the color correction and stuff like that. But uh, with my VA, I would record Loom videos uh, and tell her to transcribe them, write out the steps. So she built the manual too. And now we have a lot of processes. I can go and update them when I need to. And she's aware of those changes. But it's it's been great. Because, you know, as you said, things are happening uh, when I'm asleep, when I'm away from the business, when I'm watching the kids, when I'm on vacation. You know, I think a lot of people worry about working on vacation. And uh, so I, I know that things, if you know, I, I front load a lot of stuff to my editors and my VA before I go away. And then I know that things are happening while I'm on a beach somewhere. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the process. That's step one for sure. This episode is brought to you by Nexus. Look, I know what it's like to spend too much time managing your website instead of your business. In fact, the previous host for this very show made it harder for me to focus on creating content because I was always trying to fix some problem with my website, especially on new episode days. And that's why I switched to Nexus. With Nexus's managed WordPress hosting, I don't have any problems to fix because Nexus fixes them for me, usually before I even know about them. I don't need to worry about my site going down on new episode days or updates or backups. I don't even need to worry about plugin vulnerabilities. Nexus has me covered. That's why I can be so consistent. And now they have membership sites with WP Quick Start, a membership site especially if you're a creator or small business owner like me, can be a fantastic way to increase revenue. But there are too many moving parts for most people who just want to set something up and start making money. Membership sites with WP Quick Start does it all for you. That is great hosting. So check out Nexus today if you want a website and not a project. For a limited time, you can get 50% off your first six months. Just go to howibuilt.it slash nexus, N-E-X-C-E-S-S. That's howibuilt.it slash nexus for 50% off your first six months. Thanks so much for Nexus for being a sponsor of How I Built It. This has been great, right? Uh, we we kind of laid the groundwork for how to extract yourself from the business or at least make the business easier on you. And I think our main topic, subscribers are better than customers. If you're not in the nitty gritty, you can focus on gaining subscribers. So this topic is really interesting to me. Why don't we just start at the, at the top, right? Why are subscribers better than customers? Oh my gosh, so many reasons. <laughs> I mean, number one reason is that when you make one sale... It's the sale that keeps on giving, right? It it 
perpetuates itself each month, each year. Subscribers, of course, are anyone who buys on some sort of contract or where, where you have the rights to bill them without them coming to you as in a transaction business model. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a great business model for making your business more reliable, more predictable. I'll give you an example because sometimes I, I talk to people about subscription business models and they're like, oh yeah, like I like SaaS. You're talking about a software as a service business, right? And they think that really that's the only application for recurring revenue. And I tell them the story of H. Bloom. So H. Bloom, I wrote about in The Automatic Customer. They're a their subscription-based flower store. So effectively, think of H. Bloom. I mean, you look at the business of selling flowers. I mean, it's a crappy business model, right? Mm-hmm. You've got... The, the farmer cuts the flower off the stem, it starts to die, rots in the fridge. Six weeks later, you have to throw it out. Typical flower store in the US throws out more than 50% of its inventory. Wow. Because they just guess wrong, right? Like they don't know yeah. how many roses to buy, how many Gerber, whatever. And so they throw out half of their inventory. Then in order to make sales, two days of the year represent a third of their sales. So Mother's Day, Valentine's Day is when people buy flowers, right? So 363 days of the year, you have to manufacture demand. There's no demand coming in to sell flowers. So how do you do that? You rent some very expensive space on some main street in town where you're paying $50, $60 a square foot to try to intercept you and me on our way home from work. We forgot, you know, mm-hmm. our spouse's wedding or whatever. Yeah. And so that's how they, it's expensive, right? So now you've got lumpy demand, seasonality, uh, very expensive real estate, and, and you're throwing out half of your inventory every single month. So along comes these two guys, Sonia Panda, Brian Burkhart out of New York. And they're like, we want to sell flowers but we're going to do it not on a transaction business model like most flower stores do, but we're going to do it on subscription. And so they sold a subscription to flowers. Now, they took the step, and this I know your podcast focuses on really actionable things your listeners can do. If you're trying to figure out a subscription model, follow what the H. Bloom guys did because they didn't try to create a subscription for everybody who buys flowers, right? That would have been the recipe for a diluted, crappy business model. Instead, they segmented, and this is the secret, the first step, you segment all of the people who buy your product, right? So in the case of Pan and Burkhardt, it was like, you know, weddings, funerals, uh, you know, what, all the different reasons people buy flowers. And they came across this segment of hotels, five-star hotels, I bet you in Philadelphia, you've got a couple of them, probably the Four Seasons in Philadelphia. You've got a five-star hotel Mm -hmm. where they want that fresh-cut bouquet of flowers every two weeks to be replenished. So it gives the, the customer that perception that it's a beautiful hotel. They sold them a subscription to flowers. You asked the question, what makes a subscriber better than a customer. Today, the average transaction in a flower store in the United States is around $60. So you and I walk in and we spend about 60 bucks, one off. And then they have to go create demand. Typical subscriber to H. Bloom, a hotel that buys flowers from H. Bloom, spends $4,500 through the life of their subscription. A $60 bouquet every two weeks for years. Wow. One sale. Right now, all of a sudden, it changes the business model. You don't have to, as a, as a as a flower store owner, sit there waiting for customers to come. And you can hire salespeople to go call on hotels because you know everyone you sign up is going to be four thousand five hundred dollars worth 
of revenue. It totally changes the economics. It, at H. Bloom, and again, a lot of people listening to this would be like, yeah, but I don't want to sell my company. This all sounds very complicated. If for no other reason to create a subscription model, you should do it because it makes your business more predictable. So you know what your business is going to look like six months from now. At, at H. Bloom, typical flower store throws out more than half of its inventory every single month. At H. Bloom, they throw out less than 2%. Wow. Because they only buy flowers for the subscribers they have, right? And yeah. so they just don't have any spoilage. So yeah. it makes it way more profitable, ultimately way more valuable, and a whole lot more predictable. So yeah. uh, that's why I think subscribers are just so much better than customers. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And you're absolutely right, right? The, you know, we hear about like lifetime value, LTV or whatever, and they say it's easier to sell to somebody who's bought from you once before, right? It's easier to, it's easier to sell to a previous customer. But, you know, I'm not sure that my next course is going to appeal to my students the way the last course did, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I've, I've gotten that feedback from students where they're like, you know, I really like this course, but, I, you know, I don't want to sign up for a subscription or I wouldn't want to buy this course because I'm not, I'm not going to take it, right? Because I didn't properly segment. I've learned very recently how to, how to do that better. Um, but I think that's a really good point. And this probably um, inoculates a little bit against what I'm sure is a common question you get, which is what about subscription fatigue, right? Yeah, yeah. All businesses, lots of businesses are moving towards subscriptions. I have like five streaming subscriptions uh, I have two audio subscriptions or music subscriptions. Um, yeah. Your Amex bill yeah. is like six pages long. Of like yeah, $7 right. Of like five, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not alone, man. Yeah. No, I, it's, a, it's a real issue. And, you know, it's because all of, our, you know, again, from Netflix to Spotify to virtually to Age Bloom, I mean, all these, these subscription-based services, while individually maybe just a few dollars a month, they start to add up when you, you accumulate them. And so we, we are running into this kind of subscription fatigue. What I would, what I would encourage you to think about is, is 10x versus 10%. What do I mean by that? You know, nobody's going to subscribe to your offering to save 10%. Nobody would subscribe for 10% off flowers. Like it, it's just too small a benefit to give up the freedom of buying on a transaction basis. It literally needs to be 10 times more valuable. And I don't mean that you have to, you know, basically undermine your profit margins to make a subscription business, but you have to make the perception that subscribing is literally 10 times more valuable. So, I mean, if we, if we think about uh, Netflix as an example, I think I could probably make a pretty good case that, that in comparison to cable television, which might cost you $150 a month, depending on where you live, Netflix is probably a better value proposition for a lot of people. And that's the kind of thing that you're going to want to do. So you're, you're, you're going to want to think about how do I make perceived values so high that subscribing is just much more valuable. And the other thing that I think you need to do to get over this subscription fatigue is go all in. And what I mean by that is give your customers an ultimatum and tell them that you've done the analysis that you can serve them better on a subscription business model, and you have the courage to turn off 
your transaction offering. And that is going to be really strong cheese for a lot of people you know, to consider because it's always nice to have your cake and eat it too. It's always nice to mm-hmm. offer both a transaction business model versus subscription. But I think it's a recipe for a, a diluted uh, subscription model. And, I, you know, Joe, I, I learned this one the hard way. We, my Years ago, I used to run a quantitative market research business. It was a transaction business model. We did, we did big surveys and so forth. And I got the idea because of Bloomberg and Thomson Reuters and some of these other subscription-based research companies that we would be better off having a subscription offering. And so I went to all of our customers and said, you can still do business with us in the transaction business way, right? And these were big banks, phone companies, technology companies. You can still do business with us in the transaction way, but we've also got this subscription you could buy. And they kind of nodded nicely and politely and said, oh, that sounds really interesting. You know, I'll take that under consideration. But now that you're here, can we talk about my custom project that I want to (laughs) do? And virtually every one of them had the same reaction. And I think we got three or four subscribers in like a year of trying. And it was a failure. You know, it was like that overweighted 747 that just can't get off the ground. Like it just never took flight. And we shut it down and stopped offering the subscription. I went back to the transaction business model and thought, oh, well, that's the way everybody wants to do business with us. I kind of really did some post-mortem and uh, diagnosis. It's like, what did I do wrong? And I think one of the things that we did wrong was we gave the choice. And so two years later, we went back to the same customers and we said, look, we've done the analysis. We can serve you better through a subscription. And we've made the decision that we're no longer going to do custom projects. And Joe, the reaction was night and day. It's like 180 degree difference. All of a sudden, they kind of sat up and say, all right, well, if you're willing to bet our relationship on this, tell mm-hmm. me more about the subscription. What am I going to, how much does it cost? What am I going to get? How do I can't? Like, they're asking really detailed questions because they know that we're about to bet our entire relationship on this. And virtually every one of them went to subscription. Uh, ultimately, that was a big you know, reason that that company was acquired by a New York Stock Exchange listed company. It, it was a, you know, a successful exit. It would never have happened had we not given our customers an ultimatum. And that's why I believe so strongly that you're going to be viewed as half pregnant if you have this <laughs> custom offering plus a subscription and you're trying to keep all the plates in the air. Yeah, I think that's that's a really great point. And it's, I mean, it speaks directly to me, right? Because I am offering both right now because oh, I didn't sorry, think... Man. No, no, <laughs> this is great. This is why I started this podcast. I feel like I get free consulting from experts <laughs> that I just kind of I'm publish. sending the bill, man. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're, you're absolutely right. I'm hedging my bets right now. And you know what? More people are more likely to do, like I said, the, I call it a la carte, right? They pick the course that they want to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they disappear. And you know what? You know what? My, my community is worse off because of it. Uh, my completion rates are probably worse off because of it. And I've been thinking a lot about the subscription lately. Um, so, uh, you know, this is really, I think this is really good information. Um, and it's, it's super helpful. And if you go all in and you don't give people the choice, um, they'll, I mean, they do have a choice, right? They can either subscribe or not. Um, but the, the, 
the last thing I want to mention here is that I kind of shot myself in the foot recently because I offer lifetime updates for my courses. Mm. Um, and I kind of rebranded a course recently that wasn't really the same, but I, I quote unquote felt bad. I wasn't delivering lifetime value. So anybody who bought the previous version of the course, even though the new version of the course was completely different, I gave it to them. And I probably cut my sales in half because of it. So, mm. um, you know, it's, it's one thing to want to do right by your customers, but it's another thing to give away the house because you're worried that people are going to react poorly. Yeah, yeah. Lifetime uh, memberships are are a death knell for subscription offerings, right? Like it's the it's the antithesis. So they're not. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm yeah. sure you can develop a a different subscription model for different you know target customer or whatever. But um, yeah, but yeah, avoid and, lifetime. You know, it's a it's a slightly it's funny. There's a there's definitely like a a launch ethos. Like Jeff Walker wrote the great book Launch, which is a a fantastic book, uh, New York Times bestseller, but talks about, you know, the idea of, of launching a product. And, and as, as much as I love the book and think uh, the work is amazing, it is a different mentality to build a subscription company. There, there are, it's very different. Like a launch is about a transactional business model and a subscription is about longevity. And so things like lifetime access and lifetime updates would be great launch benefits, but they also undermine your ability to create a subscription offering. So I think you have to pick, pick your train a little bit. Do you want the, the one-time cash infusion of a launch, knowing that there isn't a tail to that? Or do you, do you want maybe a lesser bang in the beginning of your launch, but but more lifetime value, more, more value over time. Uh, and, and that's a subscription offering. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that's a great point. Cause again, in the course creator space, like a lot of people are like, how do I launch continually? You know, here's the, right. do the eight week, week thing, do the webinar and then do the big sell. And I'm like that. So I know courses are not passive income, but just like constantly having to sell to get that big launch sound it's fatiguing right and i mean there's a finite amount of people who are if you've done your course right there's a finite amount of people who are ever going to buy your course but right. if you yeah. do the subscription you can add value based on what your subscribers what your members are asking you you can grow with them or they can grow with you and you can teach them new things and you have that capital coming in every month to be like all right this is i can i can do this i don't have to worry about launching because i'm selling to people to the right segments. Absolutely right. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly, and errors in messaging often have significant consequences. With Text Expander, you can save time by converting any text you type into a keyboard shortcut called a snippet. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling, and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Text Expander lets you make new approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, ensuring your team remains consistent, current, and accurate. Text Expander can also be used in any platform, any app, and anywhere you type. 
So take back your time and increase your productivity. But that's not all it does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. I can type out full instructions for my podcast editor, hi Joel, in just a few keystrokes. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is PPT. This will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it into plain text. No more fighting formatting if I'm copying from Word or any place else. Last month, I saved over two hours in typing alone. That doesn't even take into the account the time I saved by not having to search for the right link, text, address, or number. You have no idea how many times I want to type out a link to a blog post or an affiliate link and I can't remember it and then I have to go searching for it. That generally takes minutes, but since I have a text expander snippet, it takes seconds. Text Expander is available on macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. I've been using it a lot more on my iPhone lately because I've been working from my iPhone more uh, because there are days when I'm just not in front of my computer right now. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or simple automation in general, now's the time. Listeners can get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know that I sent you. Thanks so much to Text Expander for sponsoring the show. And now let's get back to it. You mentioned how important it is to segment the people who buy your product. Maybe we can, and maybe this could be the actionable, like the, the big first actionable tip, right? I can, if, if we need to, I can do a separate episode on tech stack because I'm all about that. Um, but uh, how do you segment your audience? Where do you start? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different ways to segment, right? So there's demographics, uh, you know, age, income, education level, whatever. Uh, psychographics, which is the study of human motivation and and why people do what they do. Hard to action, but oftentimes create great personas. Another another one is life events. So, you know, you've just had your third child. Well, guess what? You're a very prime candidate to buy life insurance. And mm-hmm. they know that, right? Because <laughs> as soon as you have kids, you need life insurance, you need term insurance, et cetera. So there, we have these life events that trigger us. So there's lots of different ways to segment. In terms of building a subscription model, buying trigger is often a good one. So what is it that caused your customer to come to you to purchase? Um, so in the case of H. Bloom, that's a hotel looking for a, a uh, you know, bouquet of flowers for their for the reception table. So buying trigger is is another way to segment. I think look at all the different segment segments you can. What you're looking for is homogeneity. Homogeneity being all the people in that group think and need the same things, think the same way and need the same things. And so you're looking for the tightest possible uh, cohort that that feel the same way about a specific issues that look the same way ultimately have the same needs and you may through may find that through age through gender through uh uh education level but more often than not it's sort of buying behavior or buying trigger that that causes the most tightly wound homogeneous group gotcha and and that makes perfect sense right it's it's uh, cuz i think a lot of people probably say like, I serve podcasters, right? Or I serve people who use WordPress. Right. Uh, that segment, both of those segments though, are, are pretty broad. Those are massive right? segments. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so you can't really talk directly to that group. Like you can't say one thing that speaks to that entire group, right? Because people who use WordPress could be, I use it to blog or I build custom uh, enterprise websites. Yeah, yeah. It's incumbent on, on you to, to go way deeper because you're looking for a homogeneous need that is unfulfilled, right? So any generic need is going to be is going to be fulfilled with generic media, right? So I can I can get lots of information if I subscribe to New York Times or CNN or whatever. There's lots of information out there, right? If we go a step deeper. Uh, and go at an industry level, like WordPress developers, again, still there's lots of stuff out there for WordPress developers. But if you go down to WordPress developers, uh, you know, in a certain geography, speaking a certain language that have a specific problem, that's when you can get to a subscription offering that might satiate that problem or, or, or solve that problem. Yeah, actually, a great example right there is, uh, is a very recent episode I had uh, with uh, the founder of WP Owls, who started his newsletter, uh, he and his wife, uh, in Polish because right. they they Bingo. were the only Polish WordPress newsletter. And then they moved to English uh, and talked about the the difficulty because every other WordPress newsletter is in English. Yeah. yeah. Um, so language is another one you can yeah. you can segment by for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so the last question I'll ask here before I ask you my favorite question is, um, is how, what if I segment too deeply, right? Because again, I think I used to worry about this. I think a lot of people worry about, I don't want to exclude anybody who might want to give me money. (laughs) Yeah. Look, here's the thing. Number one, I would go as tightly as possible because it makes you referable. You think about your own behavior when you've referred people, experts, specialists. My guess is they were specialists in their area. They weren't just a roofer. They weren't mm-hmm. just a WordPress developer or an audio. They, they were someone who had a very, very specific niche that you wanted to help them in their own way. So referability is important for any subscription offering, for any business owner, for that matter. And the more you focus, the more you referable you become. Because when you, as a, as a consumer, when you hear about someone who has that unique niche, you want to help. So the Polish WordPress guy, I will remember now. I won't remember, oh, he does, you know, WordPress developer newsletter. No, that just goes, wild. but the Polish one is kind of unique, right? Makes yeah. it referable. So when I hear a poll who wants some information, et cetera. So I would get very, very niche to begin with. You can then look for a adjacencies, people who have similar needs, but I think you really want to serve your core first and then find an adjacency. Like for example, at H. Bloom, I mentioned they looked for five-star hotels. Fantastic. Great. When they started to saturate that market, they looked at who else has the need to put a bouquet of flowers on their reception table. And they're like, you know who else does? Wealth management companies. Mm. You know those like really fancy wealth management companies yeah. that you walk in and there's someone sitting there taking, you know, giving you coffee or whatever? Yeah. They want, you know? And then they segmented further and they found out really high-end restaurants with a concierge and a, and a you know, like a, uh, a valet. And they also want that. So they started to, but again, it, I think it starts with, with the kernel of homogeneous need and then look for adjacencies as opposed to, um, trying to dilute your offering, capturing all the market share. And again, if, I know that this 
is right down the strike zone for you. But if you want to rank an SEO or, or anything uh, like that, it, it's got to be really heavily niched down uh, because t- to rank, it's going to be uh, very difficult if you're too generic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. The, that's the, what's the old, uh, maybe the new adage, right? If you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. So right. you want to yeah. you, you yeah. picture the person in your head that you're talking to and, and solve their problems. Yeah. And then once you've got that, once your subscribers are loyal and your cost to acquire a subscriber is not high, there's a, there's a magic little uh, ratio people should be mindful of, which is LTV to CAC ratio. You're looking for at least three to one, LTV being lifetime value, CAC being customer acquisition costs. And so you're looking to capture at least three times more lifetime value from your subscriber than it costs you to, to win her as a, as a subscriber. So at least three to one. And more is better, but at least three mm-hmm. to one. And when you hit three to one, um, you're going to want to get there at scale, meaning not just your friends and family. You're going to want to prove, especially if you want to raise money for your subscription offering, that you can get to three to one or better at scale, meaning through SEO, through search terms, uh, th- through some scalable way to acquire subscribers. And then when you do that and you can prove that, then you can knock off another hyper niche adjacent to the one you're serving, get to three to one LTV to CAC and then get to your next niche. But but it's tough to get three to one CAC, LTV to CAC if you're too generic. Uh, so right. it's better to be very, very, very siloed, get to three to one LTV to CAC and then see if you can replicate that in another uh, niche. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense, right? If you're spending like 200 bucks on Facebook ads to sell one $20 product, you're, you're burning money, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not going to yeah. be too long. So yeah, again, yeah. You, you, for that $200 Facebook ad, you really want to make sure you can capture $600 worth of lifetime value from that yeah. subscriber or more. Yeah. Right. And, and if you can, hit the gas because that's a great model. Awesome. This is this has been great. I do need to ask you my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Oh man, uh, trade secrets. Um, <laughs> the bell. <laughs> yeah, whenever somebody says trade secret, I hit the bell because it's ha- it happened every single episode in like the first fifty. <laughs> there you go. Well, the bell it is. Look, look here's a trade secret. We as owners of businesses oftentimes define ourselves by our revenue, right? Like, oh, I wish I could get to a million dollars in revenue or I want to be on the Inc. 5,000 list of fastest growing companies because that's what society seems to uh, recognize and celebrate. And what I would encourage your listeners to think about is instead of thinking of your, your role as the CEO of your business and that revenue is your number one objective, There's another way to think about it. And you're just going through this yourself with three kids. Thinking of your business as more of a child you need to raise as opposed to a business you need to run. And when we think about a child you need to raise, in the early days, you're wiping their bum, you're feeding them, you're doing everything, right? But over time, you know, in their teenage years, you got to give them a little rope and let them make them some some mistakes. And and then ultimately in their 20s, you want them in the world living independently without you, right? And not having to come back into the, to the, you know, homestead to, to, to survive. And so that's the ultimate goal, I think, for 
an entrepreneur is to build a business that can thrive without you, like you're doing, Joe, with your SOPs and so forth. And that's when I think to get there, you need to slightly wear a different hat as an owner, as opposed to celebrating revenue and, and trying to achieve a milestone. Think of yourself as the parent of your company and, and trying to, over time, get it so that it can run without you. I absolutely love that. Um, mostly because my four-year-old asks me why I, why I have so many rules and tell her to do things. And I'm like, <laughs> my, job is, my job is to make sure that you're a good citizen in the world. That is my job. But um, it's also, it's also, you know, I think that's a really great way to look at it because if you're just going to grind it out all the time and work yourself to the bone, you could do that for someone else and then not have to worry about where your next paycheck is coming from. Absolutely right. So amazing. Well, John, this has been uh, fantastic. We will have a couple of extra minutes and build something more. I'd love to talk to you about writing uh, and selling a best-selling book. Oh, cool. Because uh, I have authored four, uh, though they are very technical books that will never make it to the New York Times bestseller list. Um, But for those of us leaving us now, where can people find you? Yeah, go to builttosell.com slash built. We've put together uh, some gifts for your listeners. Most importantly, the, the nine subscription model checklist. So it'll give you nine different models you can choose from to build out a subscription offering. So yeah, just drop your email. It's free. Uh, drop your email into builttosell.com slash built. Awesome. I will include that and everything we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 240. I am also, right after we get off this call, I'm going to buy the automatic customer. I'm trying to decide if I want the hardcover or the Kindle version. Uh, (laughs) So, but uh, John, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. It was fun, Joe. And uh, thanks to our sponsors, Nexus and Text Expander. Again, if you want to get all the show notes or sign up for the Build Something Club where you can get ad-free extended episodes early, you can go to, uh, you can sign up right on that modal actually at howibuilt.it slash 240. It's all there for you. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.